Your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So it is uh, coming up to 7.38 and for the next few days we've got the hugely important United Nations Climate Change Conference in Paris. An opportunity for world leaders to finally come up with legally binding restrictions on greenhouse gas emissions that could just save our planet, our descendants, anything we cherish that we can, I'm sure, imagine in a physical sense anyway. Let's bring in Professor Chung Soyong from Korea University's Division of International Studies. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time. Can you start by outlining some of the important details that'll be covered, that'll be discussed during this conference? We've been waiting for this, you know, literally for months. We've been talking about how important this is going to be. Right. Uh, so basically, uh, countries are supposed to finish the uh, long-time negotiation to establish a new climate change regime, which will be effective from the 2020. And there are several important issues that countries are supposed to agree on. Uh, most importantly is, of course, how to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by both developed and countries. And there are also other issues, including adaptations, technology, finance, and others. So basically, this conference will cover every aspect of the important climate change issues. But what are the chances of world leaders actually being able to agree? Well, I would say cautiously that uh, we have a high chance to have a something uh, meaningful out of this Paris conference this time. There are several reasons why. Number one, um, in the year 2009, uh, as many of us uh, still remember, there was uh, another huge climate conference in Copenhagen, and basically it failed uh, because of the, uh, some political, economic, and other reasons. And we got uh, some lessons out of that conference. Uh, then, then this time, the countries uh, tried to avoid some of the possible disagreement that they would uh, negatively affect on the agreement. So uh, there is uh, some the growing political momentum, and then this has been uh, guaranteed by the recent uh, me meeting of the many summits uh, uh, who met actually in Paris earlier this this, this week, mm. and they also provide another further political momentum to the negotiators to finish the deal as scheduled by end of next week. And third, uh, as we have seen that uh, climate change issues has been creating many business opportunities. So question was that uh, whether or not uh, business can be ready to invest their you know, money on this uh, on these issues, and then 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 leaders and negotiators want to give the signal to the business sector that actually we have agreed on the political issues, and you can go ahead with the business matters. So uh, there is also another need from the you know economic and business side. So everything tells us that it's likely for us to have a, something like an agreement in Paris this time. Yeah, it, it's incredible the scale of this conference. 40,000 delegates from 195 countries, 150 nations leaders. They're all in the right place and the right people are there. But what they're saying is that um, they, they have to 
agree on legally binding reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, as you pointed out as well, to hold global average temperatures short of a two degree Celsius increase over pre-industrial global temperatures. That directly quotes a report from CNN in the last few hours. Can you just um, outline for us how effective do you think any deal can be, though, in your view, in, in combating this tide? Well, I mean, uh, uh, first of all, we need to think about uh, what the legally binding agreement means. Uh, uh, there are two ways to understand that uh, from legal point of view. First is that, uh, as uh, many people may as- assume that it's going to give the you know legally binding obligations to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to the countries. Well, uh, that has been the approach of the Kyoto Protocol, and which it has been contributing to reducing greenhouse gas emissions to some extent, but not all. But this time, the, what countries have been discussing about uh, in the negotiation is to honor the voluntary actions by the uh, countries to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, not only setting up the target of the reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but also uh, providing a uh, planning their own low-carbon economic development. Uh, so uh, it's a new growth plan based on the low-carbon way. And then these two things uh, will be included under the concept of so-called intended nationally determined contributions. Mm. So based on this voluntary scheme, it's a voluntary. It's not uh, being asked by anybody. It's a voluntary scheme uh, by the countries. And the question is, what kind of legal format are we going to use? And likely format, and I think it's a good format, as I stated, as, is to contain this in a form of the legally binding treaty. But that this legally binding treaty doesn't necessarily mean that everything needs to show something like a giving burdens to the countries. It's a matter of a formality, transparency. If we write down something in a legal form, it will be helpful for stakeholders to better understand. So in the sense that I hope that and I think that we will have something like a legally binding agreement, but uh, it's not like a Kyoto Protocol asking countries to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, you know, but, uh, you know, honoring the some sort of voluntary schemes uh, developed by countries. So uh, uh, one thing that we need to consider is the United States. The uh, U.S. recently said that uh, they don't consider legally binding agreement in the, in the Paris. What it means that because they are domestic ratification process, if it was seen as a legally binding agreement, it's going to be very difficult for U.S. government to pass through the ratification mm. process in the Congress. So we still need to have some sort of tactics, technical tactics, in order to bring all these important uh, you know, efforts together so that we can better tackle climate change. So the question is, uh, what is the form? And that's a very technical issue that uh, we, we need to still deal with in about uh, 10 days. Yeah, I think all of us as members of the public have a role here to play. If, if we have a, co- a significant enough collective action to hold countries to account, either through something as extreme as product boycotts or whatever it happens to be, that, that will quickly have probably a wider impact than, um, than what uh, individual governments can do. But on the other hand, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi perhaps rightly pointed out that uh, it's, this is unfair on poorer countries uh, who haven't had the chance to develop as uh, the developed world has, obviously, and uh, they have a right to burn carbon to to help grow their economies. You talked before about the business chances associated with the positive climate change prevention policies. But um, what do you think about Prime Minister Modi's argument? 
Well, I mean, uh, always uh, every state has their good reasons to say so. So, uh, you know, climate change issues are starting to be discussed in about the 1990s uh, when actually there was some sort of huge gap in terms of economic development between developed and developed, developing countries. So at the time of China, who is the uh, largest emitter uh, now, uh, was not uh, that uh, large in terms of the, uh, you know, amount of the greenhouse gas emissions. And then the India as well at the time. And then and the, we have been discussing about the common but different responsibility principle uh, under the UNFCCC regime, which meaning that most of the, uh, you know, problems occurred at this time uh, were due to the uh, industrialization of the uh, developing developed countries in the in the in the 17th centuries and afterwards. Mm. So uh, you know, still developing countries have a right to develop, and why do they have to take the responsibility for something that has nothing to do with uh, their actually activities that will be unfolded in the future? In the sense that uh, I understand what the prime minister says, but at the same time. We also need to understand that uh, between the time when the UNFCCC was written in about 1992 and now, meaning the 2015, there is a very big changes in terms of the landscape of greenhouse gas emissions and also economic development as well. Indeed, Professor Chung. I mean, there's no doubt about it that there have Mm -hmm. to be other growth engines for for these countries and other ways of development um, that that are more sustainable. I've got to ask very briefly, we're almost out of time, what Korea's role in all of this is and can be. Right. Uh, Korea has been playing an intermediate role between the developed and developing countries. Uh, As a developing country under the UNFCCC, Korea made its voluntary, you know, you know, announcement to reduce greenhouse gas emissions already in the year 2012. And we did so this year again with a very high level of ambition. And the Korea hosts the Global Green Growth Institute and the Green Climate Fund. And the, we have been the, talking about low carbon green growth policy and the, at this time creative economy. Everything has been shown as something that uh, no other country may be able to play in terms of meeting the needs from the developed and developing countries. In the sense that the Korea has done as much as it could have and then I'm sure that Korea will continue to make its contribution mm. to better tackle climate change. Well, Professor Chung, we still have some major questions to answer in terms of energy production here uh, with the nuclear debate ongoing and uh, coal-burning issues but um, hopefully we are moving in the right direction uh, and with greater technology that would certainly be one way to achieve that. Uh, great to have you on the line. Okay. Professor Chung Soyoung from Korea University. And we'd love your thoughts. You can email your opinions and any questions you might have regarding any of our interviews to EFM this morning at gmail.com.